The Plant Powered Show Pop-Up Podcast is brought to you by Latitude Apart Hotel and the City of Cape Town. Welcome to the Plant Powered Show Pop-Up Podcast, the ultimate destination for anyone seeking advice on plant-based products and looking to reduce their environmental footprint while still enjoying a vibrant and fulfilling life. Hey there, my name is Sean Lewitz and I'm joined by Lindy Tavener. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's only a pleasure. It's quite cool to have a pop-up at a show, uh, and it's nice to have you pop in to exactly. the studio. Yeah. Um, you're also used to popping up out of deep waters, and we're going to get to that, because we speak all things sustainable foraging, um, and I know you have a love, a deep love, for the ocean. That's correct. When yes. did you start diving? It's definitely my happy place. I've always been an ocean person um, with snorkeling and swimming when I was younger and I was a, a scuba diver and then about five years ago I started uh, free diving mm. and that was when my life really changed. What is there anything that that could be compared to free diving? Can you compare it to anything else? Deep meditation Okay. I what? would say um, you know you as you go down the compression uh, slows your heart down and um, you go into this magical world and your focus is only in the present and what you see in front of you. So it would be like a deep meditation. And for those that are unfamiliar with the difference between freediving and scuba diving, there are obviously large differences. Yeah, you well, we it? don't have um, tanks. So we just learn to trust that our body has enough oxygen in it, which we do, because we actually have um, something called a mammalian dive reflex. So we've got an aquatic operating system within our body that we've always had as human beings. So we can actually stand the water for a lot longer than we think we can. And our organs get um, squeezed and we actually have more oxygen released in our, in our body. And uh, yeah, and your, your heart slows down so you don't absorb as much oxygen. And the, basically, the best way to describe it is a big warm hug from Mother Ocean. Really? Yeah. Wow. That does, I wouldn't mind having a nice warm hug <laughs> from Mother Ocean. Um, and what is it like down there? I've watched videos. I've seen people really seem like they're moving, as you quite really say, in, in slow motion. Yeah. Well, the big thing is also the reason we, we do slow down is to not use up too much oxygen. And this, this, the more still you are, the more present you are, and then the, the marine life actually comes to you and you see more around you. And you're using less oxygen so you can actually stay down more and longer. And I suppose you're also being, you're, you're learning to breathe better than, oh, you've got breathing exercises prior to going down, right? I couldn't just go free diving today without doing any form of training. Yes, you could. If, I could? If, yes, if you, the training would be to calm down I see and to breathe calmly and to try and slow your heartbeat down and to relax and then to take a deep breath in before you go down and then we teach you just about equalizing so you just equalize with your nose okay so I've had my first lesson for free diving then yes. is what you're saying so that's the key really <laughs> is to relax and to trust your body and to just enjoy the moment. Which is an important lesson for above the water levels as well. I take a lot of people who can't even swim mm. and then they put them in a thick wetsuit and they float on the top. And then you just see it from the snorkeling from above, which is also really beautiful. You just got your snorkeling, you can breathe and you still get to see so much. We've got a lot of shallow kelp forests around Cape Town. 
So there's so much you can still see just from above as well, but you're still immersed in that other underwater world, mm. all magic. Yeah, kind of separated from the hubbub of the city and the roads. And and it was actually teaching the snorkeling that led me to learning about foraging because my, especially my overseas clients, always ask me, can you eat that? Can you eat that? Wow, okay. And then will you make it for me? Okay, well then talk to me. Real yeah. wild food, what is that all about? Well, I developed a passion for seaweed. And um, it just took me along this path and I just became a little bit obsessed with it. <laughs> but um, I was also, I did have some health issues and I was just became very aware of what you put in your body and eating, you know, better immunity. But never mind that I love seaweed. I think it's beautiful. But um, I uh, learned the different types of seaweed species and then how to harvest them, how to prepare them so they taste delicious. And then started teaching workshops and it all grew organically with people actually asking me. Mm. And, then, um, and now I probably teach about 100 people a month. That's incredible. It's so interesting how much interest there is. Um, people just wanting to take them on the beach, show them how to harvest seaweed, and then we go back to our house. We've got a, a clay home next to the Cape Point Nature Reserve. Show them how to cut kelp, let's say, how to cook it. And then enjoy a full four-course meal with uh, seaweed-inspired and wild foods. And then, um, yeah, make so, new friends. So that's fascinating. So there are various ways of preparing seaweed. I know seaweed as dried for sushi. Yeah, that's, that's nori. Okay. Which is uh, also in a purple lava or porphyro. And it's one of the better-tasting seaweeds in the world, which is why it's used. And um, it's very high in protein. That's like 35% protein. Goodness. So you can actually survive eating that. And that's why places like Wales and Scotland, especially when they had famine, they survived off foraging the purple lava and then they boiled it up and made a paste and then used it like marmite on toast. Incredible. Or just mixed oats with it and put it um, on a fire and make bread. And then just lived on that. So you speak about nori being the better of the seaweed no, in terms just, of taste. But it just tastes really good when it's heated. Yes. As you know, you can get now at Woolworths, you get those nori crisps. Yes. But we've got abundance of, of this purple lava on our coastline here. What different ways can I prepare seaweed? How, what, what lessons then? Talk me okay. through what you would teach if you were to have a rewild workshop. Okay, so what I'd do is go through the seaweed slowly. So let's just say I started with nori. I would harvest. You just, you always, when you harvest seaweeds, you, you leave the hold fast or the root, you know, so it can regrow. Sure. And seaweed grows super fast. Kelp grows up to 10 millimeters a day. Wow. And nori would be a few millimeters. It's really amazing because of the ocean that it's based in. So you, you let it regrow so you can come back to the same spot and it's still going to be there. Yes. So um, nori, you can, you, with all seaweeds, you can ferment them, which is like, you know, in a kimchi and sauerkraut mm -hmm. and that um, one way of, of keeping them. You can put them in the fridge for like a week. They, they freeze really well. And then um, and you can boil them up. But the best way for most seaweeds is actually in the oven and you dry them. And then the heat extracts this amazing flavor, which is what happens with nori. Okay. So what I do for people in my workshops is um, I'll take the nori and dry it in the sun, and then I'll put it in the oven in like eight minutes with some oil. And then it comes out, I'll throw on some nutritional yeast, and then you've got these delicious chips that everyone eats up straight away. And they're, they're really, really nice. Yeah. How else would you serve? And you've mentioned boiling, and you've mentioned keeping it in the, in the fridge, and you've mentioned the sauerkrauts. What about a warm meal? Uh, what is the texture like then if it's not dried? Okay, so the, the nicest warm meal is actually kelp. 
Okay. Okay, so if you harvest kelp, the leaves are called fronds, and the light-colored ones are the nice, young and fresh ones, and you cut them and you boil them up with a little bit of vinegar or lemon juice. So it's boiled up in water with a dash of vinegar or lemon juice. And then after about 10 minutes, basically, the product you're left with is a gluten-free pasta. No ways. Perfect. As is. And it's delicious and it's tender. So what I usually do is I choose for the main meal. I either do kelp lasagna or I do kelp noodles or kelp linguine. Um, I can do kelp ravioli where you can slice pockets because it actually has got two sides and you can make a pocket inside and put in some veggies and then bake it. So um, there's so many options with different types of sizes of kelp. But kelp is absolutely delicious. Once it's boiled and then you can bake it or you can, if it's a linguine, often when I do a workshop, I'll get people to cut up their slices and then throw it into the boiling water with the vinegar and then it goes bright green and the chlorophyll is coming out. And then we serve it and we put a nice sauce with it, some vegetables. And uh, the stipe, which is like the trunk of the kelp, you can slide, it's got a hole in the middle. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, the reason for that is that it needs to float when the tide is high so that the leaves have sunlight for photosynthesis. And you can um, cut a piece of that trunk and use it as a, a steam pot. Okay. And so I stuff vegetables in it and put it on the braai. And then the vegetables cook in there uh, with stones on either side or the one side. You can get the end of the plant, so you only have to stuff the one side. And then we serve the vegetables on the table in the steamed kelp style. Oh, wow. And it's, uh, you don't have to add any flavoring. It's perfect. And it actually makes it salty as well. Yeah. This, is, this is what you keep saying, how it's so delicious. It's is really it, nice. Is it an acquired delicious? No. Like, it's so many people who, usually it's the wife wants to come and they drag the kids and husband kicking and screaming. <laughs> and they're the ones who are the most impressed. Yeah. Maybe it helps her to have a brewery at our house. <laughs> Maybe. There's <laughs> always little tricks to no. the tray. And we make fresh pizza. And then tell me then about the health benefits of something like seaweed. You've already mentioned that ver- there's a variety of uh, different Well, they're seaweeds. a superfood. Okay. okay. So they're um, mineral dense. So you've got vitamins A to K, iodine, potassium. I mean, it's, it's actually endless. It's got, it's got all of the, um, the minerals and vitamins that your body actually needs. It's right here in our seaweed. And I think, you know, it's crazy that the Eastern cultures have had it in their diets forever and they never lost that knowledge. But the Euro- in our European culture and African tribal culture seem to have lost the knowledge. But I think it was there before, before industrialization and... I think the koi salad was a big part of their diets. They had seaweed um, with their, you know, crabs and urchins and whatever else they had. They definitely ate kelp as well. So there's a huge drive to bring that knowledge back. And it's totally natural for us. And, uh, you know, it doesn't take a lot to learn how to process it. So it's amazing. Do you... Do you yeah. think it's something that should be uh, easily accessible and consumed regularly, i.e., do you think it's something that we should be seeing in a supermarket? Yes. At a mass level. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, also for people to learn how to make it themselves. Mm. Um, but both. Not everyone's got the time to go to the beach and forage and process. It's actually quite bizarre that we don't have it. Mm. We do. I mean, Woolworths has got a couple of products and your Chinese shops have got. Mm. But I think it's just a matter of time. Mm. You know, I think it's differently, you know, it's differently with a plant-based movement and uh, the drive for better immunity in our bodies. It's just a natural progression that we turn to the wild plants around us to actually um, 
help us. And, and it speaks also to making sure that uh, we're keeping our oceans clean if we want to ensure our sustainability and the... Uh, the well, that's the big thing. Minerals. When I have my workshops, the first thing that happens, I come down on the beach and say, when you want to start foraging, make sure it's not in a polluted area and there's no sewage pipes. Yeah. So number one. And then you make sure it's low tide so the waves don't wash you out to sea. Yes. <laughs> don't turn your back to the ocean. Yes. Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So much to learn. Lindy Tavernet, thank you very much for your time. That's my um, pleasure. It's fascinating to listen to you speak. And I can see why so many people are flocking to come and learn more about seaweed from you. And um, I think I'm going to have to do the same. Yes. Have to do the you same. Know, well, you're welcome. Anytime. Thank you. We can find more in the show notes, of course, and catch up with Rewild Foods with Lindy Tavernet. Uh, we'll include all the necessary show notes down below. The Plant Powered Show brings together lo top local and international chefs, celebrity cooks, mixologists, health and wellness experts, as well as plant-based food, drink, and conscious living products and brands. Subscribe to the Plant Powered Show pop-up podcast and join me each week as we delve a little bit deeper into the world of conscious living. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at the Plant Powered Show for the latest updates, mouth-watering recipes, and engaging content. The Plant Powered Show pop-up podcast is brought to you by Latitude Apart Hotel and the City of Cape Town.